Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 1 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 35 is entitled, Whoso Shall Offend One of These Little Ones? In socialism, political correctness replaces moral absolutes. In the past, where moral absolutes were ignored, laws had to be enforced. Today, where political correctness is ignored, greater law enforcement becomes necessary. Therein lies the dilemma and the reason we will ultimately, if we follow the liberal agenda, move toward a totalitarian state. Socialism is merely a softer form of totalitarianism. It is tyranny with boxing gloves rather than with clubs. Political correctness does not address good or evil, moral or immoral, right or wrong. Political correctness focuses on freedom, not agency, social trends, not absolute values, and in the name of rights, promotes behavior that was once universally condemned, thus increasing social problems tenfold. Democracy today, like the old Roman Empire, is decaying from within because it views sin as relative. Our laws are systematically altered by increasingly prurient policies to remove not only impediments to acts that were once considered sinful, but to actually encourage our youth to engage in such acts as a show of freedom. In 2011, the following article appeared in the New York Post concerning the education curriculum of one of the largest school districts in the United States. It is entitled, Cities Eye-Opening Lessons by Susan Edelman. Sex ed, which becomes mandatory in city, middle, and high schools next year, is meant to stem unplanned pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases among teens. But parents may be shocked by part of the Department of Education's recommended curriculum. Workbooks reviewed by the Post include the following assignments. High school students go to stores and jot down condom brands, prices, and features such as lubrication. Teens research a route from school to a clinic that provides birth control and STD tests and writes down its confidentiality policy. Kids ages 11 and 12 sort risk cards to rate the safety of various activities, including intercourse using condoms and an oil-based lubricant, mutual masturbation, French kissing, oral sex, and anal sex. Teens are referred to resources which explore topics like doggy style and other positions, sadiomasochistic sex play, phone sex, oral sex with braces, fetishes, porn stars, vibrators, and bestiality. The above article appeared in 2011. Today, in 2022, only 11 years later, teachers are showing pornography in the classroom persuading youth as young as 10 years old to have transgender operations, teaching that gender is a choice. Only in a horror movie can one depict the next steps. Teachers who should be protecting students encourage body mutilation and a lifetime of regret. It is child abuse of a very high order. 
The goals of stemming unplanned pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases among teens is laudatory, but their approach is astonishingly amoral, reckless, and foolishly illogical. More of the curriculum deals with sexual stimulation than safety. It is like putting out a fire with gasoline. In addition, it is as if they are entirely ignorant of the vulnerability of teenagers. It doesn't even seem to occur to the adults who develop the program that abstinence is the only solution. No other system will work. The very procedures they encourage among the youth are the very reasons there is an explosion of unplanned pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases among teens. The Post article should be a wake-up call. No responsible parent would teach their children such behavior, yet it is taught in our schools. It is paradoxical that schools cannot teach morality for fear of being tainted with Christianity, but they can teach immorality in uninhibited ways without censor and without parents' permission. Society is redefining sin in a futile attempt to increase freedom by promoting lifestyles that ultimately destroy democracy. In a TV program entitled The New Virginity, diabolically directed to the youth, the pop psychologist commentators mocked the law of chastity, made fun of those youth in the public eye who said they were virgins, belittled the efforts of all those such as parents, churches, and other concerned adults who promoted sexual abstinence before marriage. Their argument was that youth cannot practice abstinence because biology will win. Ironically, on another channel, the title of the program was 16 and Pregnant. Assuming that God was a fable and having no apparent moral considerations while glorifying premarital sex, the above cotton candy commentator said nothing about AIDS, herpes, gonorrhea, syphilis, teen pregnancy, high school dropouts, unwed mothers, abandoned children, gangs, crime, single parents, unwanted babies, fatherless homes, imposed poverty, dead-end jobs, defaulted child support, underage marriages, child exploitation, government welfare, abortions, feelings of isolation, abandonment, guilt, suicide, depression, children bearing children, or any of the other devilish consequences of sexual promiscuity. They were promoting premarital sex among the youth and thus said nothing of the reality of a life of bondage. One of the great evils today is sex trafficking. Is there anyone who would claim that sex trafficking is good? Yet the above commentators don't seem to recognize that there is a connection between the exploitation of women and the breakdown of the family, the laxity of teaching moral abstinence before marriage, sex education by unqualified people in the schools, and the encouragement of free sex among youth, all because biology will win. Can a society even exist where the youth are taught to give in to their natural urges? Imagine if that same philosophy were carried out to all natural urges of man. Prisons are filled with rapists, child molesters, murderers, and perverts who acted out their natural urges. It is a kind of insanity. It is straight out of Aldous Huxley's dystopian novel, Brave New World, that satirizes modern trends where motherhood, fatherhood, family, and even chastity are seen as evil. The world was full of fathers, was therefore full of misery, full of mothers, therefore of every kind of perversion from sadism to chastity full of brothers and sisters, uncles, aunts, full of madness and suicide. The prurient promoters predicted the failure of those who teach abstinence because they said biology will win. It doesn't occur to them that they are ensuring that biology will win by creating an environment where sex is thrust upon our youth 24-7. 
from magazine racks at the local grocery store to radio, TV, internet, movies, advertising, smartphones, popular culture, where the F word punctuates every sentence, and from every other handheld electronic device. As the above illustrates, sex is even promoted in school curriculums. If we want to reduce unplanned pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases, we must create an environment that is free from pornography and other graphic sexual stimulation. Here may I refer to podcast number 33, Managing One's Spiritual Environment. If one carries the philosophy that biology will win to its logical conclusion, one must ask, can any amoral activity be censored? I remember a classic line from African Queen, starring Humphrey Bogart and Catherine Hepburn. Bogart plays a rather salty old sailor who is given to drink. Hepburn, an African missionary, reprimands Mr. Alnut for his drunkenness. Charlie Alnut said, A man takes a drop too much once in a while. It's only human nature. The missionary replies, Nature, Mr. Alnut, is what we are put into this world to rise above. That simple philosophy is gone from today's hedonistic environment. Those who claim that youth should not practice sexual abstinence because biology will win promote giving in to the natural man. In the spiritual battles of this world, to Christianity, one of the greatest is the battle between the natural man and the spiritual man. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, Romans 8, 5 through 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. In the great spiritual war, Jesus Christ embodies all virtues. Satan embodies all vices. We are all familiar with the seven deadly sins, lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. They are often pitted against the seven heavenly virtues, chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. In Spencer's Fairy Queen, in the House of Pride, the seven deadly sins are paraded before an adoring crowd. Pride is sitting in a gold-encrusted coach drawn by peacocks. Idleness is riding on a slothful ass. Gluttony is riding on a swine. Luxury on a bearded goat. Avarice on a camel. Envy on a ravenous wolf, and wrath on a lion. Satan is riding high above their heads, with a whip he is lashing out at sloth, who is pulling the carriage. Imagine the argument above, biology will win, given to our youth, urging them to give in to lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. For that is exactly what society is doing to our youth today. Society is trying to remove guilt, rather than to change behavior. They treat the effect, but ignore the cause. As the Apostle Paul said, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I would think twice about what I taught the youth. It was the Savior who said, Matthew eighteen sixteen. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. If teaching kids ages 11 and 12 to sort risk cards to rate the safety of various activities, including intercourse using a condom and an oil-based lubricant, mutual masturbation, 
French kissing, oral sex, and anal sex. Is not offending one of those little ones which believe in me. I don't know what is. There seems to be a disconnect between cause and effect. How is it even possible that educated people cannot see that sex education, as taught above to our youth, is an institutionalized extension of the problems launched in the 60s by the free love generation? They're treating the effect by promoting the cause. It's like telling lung cancer patients which cigarettes are best to smoke. How much evil exists in the world today because people do not control their passions? The consequence is that society is increasing even promoting the problems, that because of its amoral position, it no longer has the power, the authority, or the wisdom to resolve. As demonstrated with sex education, society is not against immoral behavior. Society no longer accepts the absolute law of gender, no longer knows what morality or immorality is. Society is against the consequences caused primarily by immoral behavior. Society sees sin as the effect rather than as the cause of social ills. In other words, the effects of sin are considered wrong, but not the sin itself. A free society that abandons religious values cannot uphold a law against promiscuity because promiscuity, like pornography, cannot be agreed upon. It can only be held in check by individual conscience, and only in a stable society with strong religious values can conscience be properly trained. Society operates on a moral sliding rule. One day it is immoral to eat sugar, another day to eat fat, another day to wear fur. New York, the same city that promotes sex education as described above to impressionable youth, bans sugary drinks over 16 ounces. As Christ said, Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. In addition, political correctness promotes tribalism, sexism, racism, and general discontent by rewriting the language, spotlighting hatred where it doesn't even exist, and implying that normal phrases are secretly inflammatory. Political correctness sees conspiracy everywhere. In our world of political correctness, we, as a society, systematically tear down the walls of the dam and spend all of our efforts trying to contain the flood. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.